0: Welcome back to Record Room Radio. With me today, I have Thomas Shebe. He is currently the president and founder of Atheist for Liberty. His influence extends beyond the confines of the organization, though, as he has been featured in notable media outlets such as Vanity Fair and even mentioned on the Joe Rogan Experience. Thomas has made appearances on various shows, blogs, and podcasts, establishing himself as a key advocate for atheist activism. With a background in public policy, he specializes in the largest demographic atheism and is dedicated to proponents of the separation of religion and government as well as religious freedom. Thomas Shebe, as they say, holds no BS and public policy and management from the University at Albany Rockefeller College of Public Affairs and Policy. His focus lies in addressing the escalating civilizational conflict between advocates of liberty and those who prioritize faith-based feelings over fact. Thomas, thank you for being on my show. It's good to have you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate being here. Yeah, so my first question for you, being interested, is what got you in all of this, this particular field in general? Was there a moment, or was it just influenced by others? What led to you being who you are today?
1: Yeah, so I, I've been in, I would say I've been in politics, or these days I like to now use the term politically adjacent fields, um, for, for around 10 years now. A little over ten years, nearly eleven years. I uh, still fairly young, but I, I got started all the way back when I was fifteen years old. I was uh, heavily questioning my Roman Catholic faith um, and my Catholic upbringing at the time. Gay marriage was uh, a, a big debate happening in the United States as well, so I was very interested in that debate. And I remember after. Being like already very, very skeptical of Roman Catholicism, I remember I was studying for my regents exams. I watched a Bill Maher clip from one of his old stand-ups where he said you could drill out Catholicism just like you can drill out uh, poison out of your body. And uh, that was the exact moment that I became an atheist. Shortly after that, I got very involved in what was known as the new atheism that was sweeping the Western world, kind of this, this counterculture that was online and offline in theaters and major cities with notable authors and think tanks. Um and uh got, got a deep dive in there, saw that the new atheist movement was being infiltrated by what you would call wokeism or leftism or social justice. So I also later on in the years that followed uh, developed a disdain for political correctness, at least political correctness on the left as well, um, and got involved as well in the broader liberty movement, conservative movement, uh free speech movement, classical liberal movements. And so I've been a jack of all trades, uh speaking out against all different kinds of sensitivity really for the last decade.
0: Sounds like you had a lot of work you've done. That's really impressive. And a question for a follow-up on that. You were mentioning how you've been basically jack-of-all-trades around everywhere. How would you define common terms among even like right-wing or like the concept of liberty? Like what does liberty mean to you? Why do you believe it's so important? So...
1: I try to operate more and more these days in a nonpartisan capacity. I've started to become actually sick of partisan politics more and more as I grow up and and learn more about the weeds of how politics operates. Um, So it's made me running a 501c3 nonprofit where we have to be nonpartisan has made me very lucky in in promoting this idea of cognitive liberty, Uh, having the ability to live freely without uh, interference from authority whether it be a tyrannical government, tyrannical church, to, to, to kind of uh, own one's life without interference. Uh, Peter Boghossian actually talks about this a lot more academically than I do, if anyone wants to learn about, about that term that we use when it comes to liberty. So that, that's the kind of the basic kindergarten-esque term that I would use to describe it, although we also have a
0: lot more information on our website. Sounds good. And speaking of your website, what led you to f- um, be the founder of Atheists for Liberty?
1: Yeah, so I was involved in the new atheist movement for a very long time. So pre-free speech movement, pre-anti-SJW or anti-woke movement, atheism was the hottest thing on the internet. It was the coolest thing for a high school student, college student, young person to be a part of before Turning Point USA and campus conservatism and all these different other movements and echelons became so popular. Atheism was the, the previous counterculture that existed in politics and in the West prior to that. And I, I kind of jumped on that bandwagon right before new atheism's downfall due to social justice and right before anti-wokeism became really, really big. I was kind of a hybrid. And I, I saw the new atheist movement die. I saw that conversations about religion, critiques of religious belief, promotion of secularism, promotion of scientific literacy, uh, opposition to theocracy a wide variety of topics, those conversations were not really finished, I think, in the grand scheme of ideas. Uh, And a lot of people were just easily moving on to different political topics and and jumping on the next, like, sexy thing to talk about. And I found that to be odd, because the largest growing demographic in the United States and ultimately in the Western world is atheism. Um, It is, you know, none of the above when it comes to religious affiliation. And so I think we have to have more conversations pertaining to this phenomenon, as it's going to actually shape the future of the Western world and the future of our liberties. And as a result of this, I saw nobody else picking up the banner of organized new atheism on the nonprofit level. A lot of the atheist nonprofits that existed were fully capitulated by social justice. They they stopped being, a lot of them stopped being atheist organizations. Like American Atheists, the American Humanist Association, the Secular Student Alliance for anybody who, who has been in the culture wars for long enough. And they've turned into social justice organizations. So I was in college, and I was having a, kind of a WTF moment. Like, we got to continue this atheism thing. But the culture wars are rapidly changing. So I got together with a bunch of different atheist movement, new atheist-type veterans who are also kind of in the anti-woke space. And we created Atheists for Liberty. We, we did the paperwork around five years ago in March of 2019. And uh, we've been fighting and growing steadily ever since.
0: I like how you mentioned that, uh, especially the evolution of culture wars, because that's something people don't understand. Culture war isn't static. It's always ever-changing. It's, as I like to call it, a Leviathan, basically, which is rolling through, and you got to keep swinging and adapting fit. it. And exactly. we've interviewed tons of people before as well, like you could say, who are like very strict theists, and it's almost polar opposite. We are like, yeah, I was a really big Ben Shapiro, you know, Miley Yiannopoulos fan, And then they all became grifters, so I had to keep moving on. And I enjoy that always with my guests because that shows like, hey, this is a person who can actually maturely grow and expand out past, you know, what the original predecessors were. Mm -hmm. But I enjoy that. But going on to that more, I'd like to know in the sense for how does your worldview influence your beliefs about individual rights and freedoms? Because we mentioned earlier, a lot of them went woke SJW. Would you feel that atheism as a whole would just be a blanket statement and it's really the politics that are separate from that or do you feel like kind of like inverse in religion like religion affects politics would you say like atheism affects politics as well to a degree yes
1: it does atheism is simply not believing in god it's not a belief system it's not a religion um i don't know uh uh what i can exactly say on this podcast but speaking of bill maher he had a very funny quote from several years ago he said atheism is a religion like abstinence is a sex position Um, you know, it's, 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 it's not religious at all, but I do shape my worldview around my atheism. I want to make sure that I live in a society, uh, we live in a society, haha, uh, that we live in a society that is not shaped by religious authoritarian, uh, religious authoritarianism and theocracy. So I actually had this kind of disdain for what the left was becoming in American politics because I, I was kind of on this. 2015 liberalism train, 2015 Bill Maher train, um, you could argue maybe even Sam Harris train, Richard Dawkins train from back then, kind of like equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome, uh, mostly center left at the time. Um, and I saw the left become apologetic for is, Islamic theocracy, become apologetic for uh, opposing science in the name of intersectionality. Uh, you know, you could look at the the modern non-binary movement and all this kind of nonsense that is overtaken people where you have evolutionary biologists like Richard Dawkins getting canceled with his Humanists of the Year award being taken away. I saw this kind of discussed early on, uh, nearly 10 years ago. And already I was slowly going from center left to eventually center right. Um, so, you know, you you mentioned also how I mentioned that, that culture wars change and that there are shifts. So I later on got involved in the, the kind of free speech, but also anti-woke movement. So during my first year of college, this was actually when Milo, speaking of Milo, he was doing his Breitbart College Tour and everybody would tune in on YouTube Live when he would go to every campus. I was addicted to that. Then everybody started watching Daily Wire. Then Charlie Kirk took over the scene and Turning Point started to pop up on campuses and kind of this idea of owning, owning feelings with facts and um, kind of all joining together against social justice, um, was kind of a big, amazing thing. And so I shaped my atheistic quest to protect Western civilization against authoritarianism. I attributed some of my allies at the time now on the right. Well, if the left is becoming so, so cancerous and the right are starting to now look more like Bill Maher from a few years ago, this is great. I'm a lot of these Republicans that I hang out with now are really tolerant. A lot of these libertarians that I hang out with now are really tolerant. They say the exact same things that Richard Dawkins and Douglas Murray have been saying. And so I didn't grift per se. I shifted based on who my allies were at that particular time. Um, And now what's very interesting, uh, well, going into that, Peter Boghossian actually wrote a really interesting article in 2019 called Culture War 2.0, The Great Realignment about how at that time, this is when the intellectual dark web was forming, you saw new atheists hanging out with religious people in defense of free speech and in defense of Western civilization. But now what's so interesting is I would argue now we're entering an even new cultural shift where you have the right, certain parts of the counterculture right, becoming even more religious, kind of like how things were in the 80s and 90s. But you have also the left that is becoming more authoritarian, more dogmatic too at the same time, so I'm trying to figure out my whole place in in uh in the culture wars too and I think a lot of new atheist types who are kind of in between center left and center right are trying to figure out where they stand as well in things. Um and I do shape a lot of that where who my allies are, what movements I'm going to be a part of, where Atheists for Liberty is going to go in terms of association uh based on uh those shifts and you have to react very quickly to those shifts. Um so a lot of it, a lot of my new atheist views are shaped in that in that sense because I want to protect my freedoms. I want to be able to live in a society uh, where I can be treated with respect and dignity and not have anyone roll over me um, and where I can have free speech and freedom of religion without consequence.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. And what that reminds me of is, especially when you were talking about alliances on the right, currently that is a big dis- discussion amongst religious right-wing groups. Like you said, you nailed it on the head where, in a joking way, you guys, the atheists, are kind of like the wild cards, because you can have one post where they'll say on their bio, like, atheist, they, them, and, like, all these things, like, you know, (laughs) pro-vax, no matter what. And then, on the other hand, you'll have an atheist account, I'll be like, you know, Nishian Hellenist, and it was, like, the most far-right person ever. I'm like, whoa, like, this person makes me blush, and then we're over here scratching our head, it's like, okay, so we got the Hellenists, we got these guys, who are, like, more Nishians. It's like, our discussion right now is like, oh, where do we put them? Are they our allies? Are they an enemy of an enemy of a friend type thing? It's like, okay, you know, we could side of them for now. And I feel like I 100% agree with you. Like, that's going to be the new cultural stand with where do we put these guys at? Or like, what do we do in this movement? Because you see, like you called it earlier, a lot of people are very upset with the way the world is today. And especially Richard Dawkins, because although I don't agree with him, he is a brilliant, intelligent man. And I 100% applaud him and thank him because I say this all the time. I like guys like Christopher Hitchens. I like guys like Dawkins because what they did for the religious right was they slapped us in the shape that says, hey, look, you can't make weak apologetics anymore. You're actually going to have to buckle down and get better arguments. So it forced people almost like under pressure, like the Colts to turn to diamonds, be like, okay, when he actually start doing things again. And then to see Richard Dawkins be, excuse me for saying this, eaten by his own where he was stripped from his credentials. I was furious. I'm like, he was a brilliant man. What are you guys doing? And it was the weirdest thing over here. Me, I'm like, my Catholic account, being like furiously at the gates defending um, Richard Dawkins in my life. I'm like, no, protect him at all costs. And everyone's like, what are you doing?
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's, I'm totally with you on that. Um, And it's going to be so interesting as to where we are placed. Uh, Like, like new atheists who are not woke, new atheists who are not into social justice, new atheists that don't have the, BLM, they, them, in their bio. Uh, we, we, we were probably in the 2000s and mid 2010s. You would argue, okay, they're on the left. Then you could argue, uh, from like maybe 2016 or 2017 to maybe 2021, 2022. Oh, they're more on the right. You have bench people like Ben Shapiro defending Dawkins and and Atheists for Liberties at CPAC, and you know you have all these new atheist types that are hanging out with even conservatives and libertarians, and uh, now. I don't know. I actually don't have a solid answer. Maybe it's going to take another year for for the political climate to shift again. uh, My my philosophy with Atheist for Liberty, because we have like Democrats who are members, we have Republicans that are members, we have libertarians and centrists and independents who are members. We'll go to various different places as long as individual organizers of certain events, regardless of where they are on the spectrum, respect our right to be there and know that we can benefit from being. But my my answer in 2020, when we were at like Turning Point USA's conferences and CPAC would have been like, Oh, we're so welcome here, and and in many cases we still are at some of these places, but it's it's not as cookie cutter and it's not as easy as it was a few years ago. It's not as black and white as it used to be. Um, it's very very gray now, and um, and so it's like like we we met on uh, some X spaces, you know. Uh, I found, I bet that there are some people that go into your X spaces that, that loved hearing what I I've been saying every now and then when I pop in, I've, I've gained a few followers and I bet, I wouldn't be surprised if there are a few of your followers that, that don't like a good chunk of things I say. And then I go into some, some more libertarian leaning people on the rights X spaces. And it's the same thing. So we pull influence from a lot of different people with a lot of different ideological worldviews
0: and uh i don't have an answer as to where we are i don't i'm kind and of glancing at it just like you are i'm glad you said that too because i've come to a point in my life where i've basically been doing an intensive deep dive in both philosophy theology i've got very much into like classical you know theism so like aquinas guys like that but more more an example i've started reading a lot more hoppe rothbard all of those characters and I've come to a point where when I ask questions in like these groups, I'd almost get <laughs> I'd almost get crucified by them for like asking such questions to the point where I'm like, you know what? Do I no one's forcing me to like, you know, quote unquote slap a label on me like, oh, you know, it's you know, Solar Requiem, the he's a XXX up here, like, you know, all stuff in there. Like, so now I'm at the point where I just call myself like distant right because I notice, like you said, I just find a trend where I have more agreement in common with people who are like remotely right wing over those who are not. You know, because there's been, you know, quote unquote, trad calves who have like a picture of Lenin as their profile picture and discusses me. And they're talking about how, you know, socialism is really like I, that is, right oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I nearly busted a blood vessel of that one. But then I also have people like yourself, who you know, are I wouldn't argue as like, you know, right wing, like, hey, I care about liberty. I care about people having these freedoms. I care about this. I'm like, OK, I could side with him over someone who's a Catholic, you know, claiming that Lenin was the best thing since sliced bread, like any day of the week. And I'm also I, I would argue, I'm also honest. I'm like not to not to you know toot my own horn.
1: I would argue I'm fairly honest. I, okay, I would argue always you know, lying. I, I, I'll concur with you. Uh I'll I'll concur with people that I'm not perfectly aligned with you on a good chunk of things. I, I don't I'm not part of the discipline right there are people probably within your own circles that do not like me do not like the mission, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to change my views just to make someone happy. I'm not going to appease somebody just to be happy. I can be diplomatic and nice, uh, but but I'm not going to change that. Whereas, and you've probably seen this as a as a you know uh, traditional Catholic within the traditional Catholic community, especially on the right and within Gen Z, there have been so many splits already recently. So many different changes. So many different sects popping up. Um, I've. Uh, I paid attention very uh, much so in 2019. I was still a college student when the Groper Wars started, and when I noticed the beginning of the Groper Wars, there was kind of this trad cat unity um, against the conservative movement. Which I and I was on the other side of the Groper Wars. I am very much I am very much against the I was very much against the trad cats winning on that side at trying to de-secularize Turning Point and CPAC and a few of these other things. But there was this there was this kind of unity. Where that kind of unified traditional Catholic sect actually was very much a threat to what we were doing. I was making a lot of different calls. I was paying attention to all the streams. Um, I was in contact with a lot of people that were on the other side of this. But then what's interesting, look at uh, Patrick Casey and his split from Nick. Look at a few of the streamers and his split from Nick. Look at Nick's split from a few of other different people. Look at some of them embracing communism and the governments of the Soviet Union um, and even even Nazi Germany. Uh, for that matter. And then look at some of these, look at some of the trad cats, then even abandoning some of their more former authoritarian views and going into libertarianism or something like that. It's, uh, it's so, I've, I've seen this not only with our own side, but also with that, that the Catholics in and that part, there isn't, um, and then look at, look at the view on uh, Latin mass views on Pope Francis, some Catholics now preferring the Eastern Orthodox church. There is such a interesting, disconnection now to where i think from both of our sides and perspectives there's not really a good answer uh on on where what when are when those sides will unify again i don't know
0: when non-woke atheism is going to unify again i don't find that fun though would you not agree because Mm -hmm. like you said at the beginning it's kind of gray so i see it as like look at you you have your own ecosystem your own problems you're like battling the woke well, I'm over here, you know, butting heads of like Groypers and like Nick Fuentes guys because right. for anyone who knows me, I say this openly, I actively disavow and I despise Nick Fuentes. I see him as being nothing but blasphemous because he, he's openly stated this before, which pisses me off. He says, I want to get a bunch of young guys in the church so we could hijack the church and use it to our means. That utterly disgusts me as a Catholic because I'm like, no, you don't bend you don't bend the church to your will. It's other way around. You bend your will to the church. Watch your place. It's, and, it's, it's yeah. an
1: outside external politi- politicization of Catholicism. Um, exactly. Uh, you know, there have always been times when the Catholic Church during its history was political, but it was always. Um, I always felt that it was it was from the top down, uh, and what Nick Nick is trying to do is he's trying to do it from the bottom up. And I think um, I think ultimately he's going to lose the war. I ultimately think that my side is going to win the war, but there's going to be some battles lost on our side definitely uh in between that process but also some losses on his end too um so, so
0: yeah. great i'm not worried too much about nick at the end of the day because i say for anyone who looks at catholic history we've had many people say i will be the one to destroy the church yet the church still stands and their empires in ashes from emperor nero to the ottomans to you know the ussr all these people claim to be the ones to put the nail in the coffin the church yet we're still here so it is like you said earlier unfortunate that we got to go through this but Hey, you gotta get your hands dirty sometimes. sledge the mud and deal with a lot of these people. But um, well, I, I know this is an interview for me, but I'm
1: I, I actually have a question <laughs> for you, if that's okay, because yeah, I'm sure, actually curious to hear this from from a traditional Catholic who is on who is in de- deeply involved in the culture wars. Um, one of the things I bet this I is probably this related, is related today, to one of the questions you'll ask me. I am very, I am very concerned, concerned about the rising tide of Islam, Islam into, Europe, into Europe and especially into. Uh, north america um uh i uh definitely think that atheism is going to actually surpass christianity in terms of demographics in the uh growing decades ahead but i also think that uh, atheism will surpass christianity but i also think that islam will surpass christianity too and i think the catholic church is an institution will survive because it survived for thousands of years you got the vatican you have all the money uh and, and and riches and and um uh, and traditions and infrastructure that the church has, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some kind of outer portions of the Catholic church that might even um, disintegrate. Um, what do you, do you think that the Catholic church will not only stand the test of time but remain very powerful in the decades to come if atheism on one end comes in and Islam on the other end comes in? Um, or do you think that um, that the Catholic church is as an institution is in some trouble?
0: I feel the church would always stand, no matter much, no matter what, and my reasoning for that is that it's best said by Pope Benedict the Fourteenth that a church that marries the morality of one generation shall become a widow in the next, and that's kind of the pitch of Catholicism they try to make, is saying like, look, you could like uh, adopt this morality, but at the end of the day, this morality is going to be subjective, it's always going to be changing, like we said earlier, Richard Dawkins earlier is like, hey, I'm an evolutionary biologist. I'm a man of science. Now the man of science in charge is someone like, you know, let's say Fauci, who openly says, if you go against me, you know, these are consequences, of what's going to happen, where it's like, well, is that really science, though? You know what I mean? Where people are getting canceled for having credentials, but questioning the majority of opinion. Yeah. but it's, In, it's, in it's regards
1: to that, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's a weird way where I don't consider a lot of atheists to be atheists. I believe they're, I call them scientists or scientism. And what I mean by that is a lot of them are like, you know, worship the science, obey the science, whatever the science says. But then once you look deeper into that, I'm like, well, you shouldn't base your entire morality among science because that's going to lead to a lot of dark corners that you don't want to get into. And that's why I'm like, yeah. I love, mm-hmm. I do like
1: science. I do like trying to base our our lives and, and how we conduct it on, on reality as to how we see it and what can be yes. provable. Um, but this idea that science never changes is also mm-hmm. false. There are plenty of things, you know, that we thought was true, that we, ended, that we considered to be science at the time that has changed. Geocentrism is one, for instance. We mm-hmm. ended up later on discovering through our... Um, uh, through our discoveries in astronomy, that uh, the the Earth is not the center of the solar system, uh, we ended up discovering uh, later on things about evolution that were that you know that were true. This is why this is why I think the kind of quote unquote religious side when new atheism was popping up in the two thousands really got uh, slapped in the face uh, because creationism. Is compared to evolution, as compared to Darwin's theory, um, wasn't able to, to, at least this idea, right in, in like states like Texas, of of you know uh, um, what's it called um, uh, creationism over evolution. Uh, it doesn't didn't really stand the test of time, and yet there are th- things like that that were considered to be science back in the day. Um, and I, I, funny how you mentioned Anthony Fauci too. This is what's so. This is how you know this was just totally politicized mm-hmm. and not done out of an actual admiration of science. When Richard Dawkins' nineteen ninety six of the year uh, humanist of the year award was taken away by the American Humanist Association, who was the new award in twenty twenty one given to right after? <laughs> <Anthony> <laughs> yeah, Couch, it's annoying award.
0: too because I agree with you. I love science. The Catholic Church we spent around six hundred years dedicating. Our research to like astrology that's a fun fact a lot of people don't know and science is like you said is always changing I love to see what's growing what's new because I don't see science and you know religion being incompatible things and scientism though is like you said exactly you nailed it on the head like this almost arbitrary like we are going to hold the line in this dogma this is you know this you know like all men could be women all women could be men I'm like well it's not really science and then they'll point over like well look a puffer fish could do it and I'm like, a pufferfish isn't a human though. What? Look at um
1: look at uh as as much as Charlie Kirk and I definitely have our uh disagreements oh, same um here. uh probably from the other angle, I would assume. Um <laughs> uh, check out if for anybody who's listening, check out uh Charlie Kirk's appearance on the Whatever podcast. Uh and uh I think there's like a clip that whatever made of Charlie on it, like what is a woman. Um, uh, him asking, uh, a bunch of female, uh, guests, you know, um, on, on what is a woman, what is womanhood? Um, it's actually really, really great. Um,
0: when it comes to talking about this, this particular topic. Um, but yeah, definitely. And going a bit back on topic, I actually had a question for you. <laughs> so you already discussed a lot of your specific challenges already with battling, you know, the new woke movement that I could honestly say hijacked new atheism. Do you see yourself having any major competitors or specific challenges or prejudice being an atheist advocating for liberty? I'd assume going against communists, maybe, or are they not relevant?
1: We're fighting a two-front war here at Atheists for Liberty.
0: So on one end, we
1: are the alternative to uh, what currently exists and what remains of the atheist community. So new atheism was big. And there was this movement unity that existed in the atheist movement in the 2000s into the 2010s. There were already a lot of debates concerning social justice and radical feminism. But overall, for a very long time, there was this content view that there was this neutral movement that might have had more left-leaning people than right-leaning people in it. That still cared about church-state separation science, supporting ex-Muslims, college and high school groups on campuses, and and questioning religion, all of the above. Um, that split ended up happening obviously atheists for liberty was created and so a lot of atheists that used to be a part of that old movement are now coming to us because they're like wow atheists for liberty is like the older atheist organizations from when they used to do actual atheist stuff this is really cool and so we've just our existence alone has become a threat uh uh there's something i can now reveal um, and I've revealed that on one or two podcasts recently, there's a massive organization called the secular coalition for America. Um, I used to love the SCA for many years. And to be fair, they still do a few cool things, but of course only on the left. Um, uh, even though, by the way, atheists for liberty is not even a right leaning organization. I'll also say that because we have, we're, we're an atheist organization, but we market to the right, just like how we could market to the left as well. Um, and that's, that's why people think we're the evil far right, you know, Uh, atheist group when we're actually not really we're like we're literally milk toast 2000s richard dawkins christopher hitchens and we happen to also have republicans in our group just like we have democrats in our group oh no um but we uh because we exist we have a we have a growing advisory board at atheists for liberty and the current i believe board chairman or president whatever or executive I, i forgot who of the secular coalition for america she has a rule that nobody who is on Atheists for Liberty's advisory board, well-accomplished atheists that used to actually be a part of all these other orgs, no, none of them can join the board of directors of the Secular Coalition for America because our mere existence, I would argue, is, is a threat to them. It's a threat to their hegemony, this monopoly of, oh, we are atheism. They, they want, these people want atheism to be the they-them BLM flag, you know, atheists that you see on Twitter. When I would actually argue the majority of atheists are not even that. I always do this comparison. I said this on a podcast a few days ago. There was this event in atheist history called the Reason Rally. It was like our version of the March on Washington. Uh, It happened in 2012. Uh, We had 30,000 atheists that appeared in the rain, in the cold in March. Um, where People wearing ponchos and raincoats, listening to Richard Dawkins and other famous scientists and atheist advocates and secular advocates. We had a rally, a second rally to that four years later. And this was around the time where the movement really got like near fully corrupted by social justice. I would say between like 300 to 3000 attendees showed up in comparison to the 30,000. What happened to that? Those 27,000 other atheists, those 27,000 other atheists didn't want to go to a social justice rally. Those 30,000 other atheists wanted to go to an atheist rally, And, uh, it's why Atheist for Liberty has been growing each, each year because not only do we gain new people, but we gain a lot of those older people who, who used to be part of a nice, vibrant, cool, atheist counterculture that want to see something like that happen again. They don't want to join a social justice group. So we pose a threat. God, I'm I'm re- it's really taking me a while to answer this question. So we're fighting a two front war. We're fighting the woke people. And then we have a whole other problem. You have Islamism growing rapidly in the Western world. So I'm part of a group called the Clarity Coalition. I'm a founding member. I work with people like Ion Hirsi Ali and Yasma Muhammad and, and people like Dr. Z- uh, Zudi Jazer, uh, Muslims, ex-Muslims, atheists, politicians, free thinkers who are kind of more moderate. And we are opposing political Islam in all forms and its growth. Um, that's a big issue that we at Atheists for Liberty have to tackle. Um, and it's growing in North America, too. Big problem. Um, but then also wokeism um, well, no, I already mentioned wokeism, uh, Islamism, and then also, uh, not to, uh, not to insult some people on your side, but there are definitely plenty on this, this, uh, dissident Catholic and Christian right that also really do not like our existence. And, um, what I try to tell people who are very heterodox and their are thinking about the future of Westerns, and I've actually, I've actually gained respect from people that, really don't like atheism, really don't like our existence, because they at least understand where I'm coming from, and this is it. The future of the West, I think, is going to be atheistic. All the polls are showing that. And if the data is showing that, wouldn't you want advocates of Western civilization, people who agree that we should have a tolerant society that doesn't have Islamic hegemony, smashing it, to be filled with based atheists rather than a bunch of people that will destroy your churches, destroy your way of life, destroy everything. But those, those people that agree with you culturally and politically, they might happen to not believe in God. I think most people, even, even Catholics, Christians, Protestants, who are kind of in that category, a lot of them really do understand where I'm coming from there. But some don't. And some want to stop us from having influence. So you'll see, you know, you'll see Turning Point USA adopting Turning Point Faith and reversing some of the statements they said in 2018 and 19 and 20 and go more in this trad-cath direction, um, which is why I don't like about politics. Everything shifts and changes so much. Um, you'll have a lot of these people now reverse course on secularism because it's it's the coolest thing to say on Twitter now or X now. Uh, I don't like that either. So So we are in a kind of unique position where we're fighting a crazy culture war on two different fronts with, I would argue, extremes that just don't like our existence.
0: Yeah, I can't speak for the left extreme on that, but if we we're gonna discuss the right, just to give you some alleviation, we don't hate you guys. We're just <laughs> it's just a lot of us, um not really speaking just for myself, but a lot of us are worried from looking at like the history of like, you know, atheistic movements. And of course we could argue days and I disagree with this position because I don't believe, you know, this is inherently tied to atheism, but you look up what are movements that are atheist? And then you see, you know, like I said earlier, Maoist China, you see the USSR, and we could agree, me and you both, because I'm sure you're well-read in history, that could be a bit of an outdated claim. There's more nuance to it. But for the surface level, you know, Catholic. Yeah. But for like a surface level Catholic dad who just wants to take his kids to mass, you know, and be left alone, he gets really worried when he hears that. And I think, this is my opinion, from what you're saying, like if you could crack through to be like, hey, look. We're not trying to turn your kids gay. We just want to, you know, we're just like you were normal. Then you yeah, can get well, a lot that's, more support, that's, which that's I'm, that's what I'm hoping um, on. Mm-hmm. Like, like
1: I am, I am a fiery atheist. Like, I am, I am militant in the sense of like how Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens was. But someone like a Richard Dawkins also simultaneously never wanted to take anyone's uh, Bibles away or or tarot cards away or anything, anything like that. I am very much uh, a, a strong believer in religious liberty. Um, for instance. When COVID was starting, the lockdowns were starting, I very much disliked the fact that the government was telling churches that they had to shut down. I love separation of church and state. I love the fact that, there's, that, that, that we have things in place to stop a religious theocracy, a strong religious theocracy from coming in and sweeping all of our rights away. The same applies to protecting religion and religious institutions from a tyrannical government simultaneously. Um, and, uh, you know, government is supposed to be separate from religion. religion is suppo- religious institutions are technically supposed to have, in many cases, their autonomy from uh, laws, um, from intrusion. Um, I'm, I'm, for example, I like gay marriage on a state level. I would never, ever want a religious institution to be forced to perform gay marriages from a religious perspective. I w- if you're a gay couple, go to a minister of the peace or go, to a, go, to, uh, go have a secular wedding um, and get gay married or something like that. Don't do it in a church if the church is against that. You know, we have those religious freedoms and these certain mechanisms in place to protect, um, to have a freedom from religion, but to also have a freedom of religion. Uh, And I think if more atheists as well said things like I did in this case, we actually win over more moderate Christians. Uh, even passionate christians and religious allies where obviously we're going to disagree on faith and we can debate on faith all day but we don't have to debate on if we the atheists are going to take away your freedoms away because i would argue the vast majority of atheists in this country are not going to maybe the woke ones uh (laughs) uh but that's just due to their wokeism not due to their atheism
0: yeah and that's fortunate because i remember definitely during that whole COVID incident how an FBI whistleblower was exposed that they were actually putting plants inside Catholic churches to make sure they weren't saying any extremist rhetoric against the government. And I thought that was like very disheartening and like breaking. Nothing. And it's I remember this very vividly, but I was attending, you know, TLM. And then for people to know it's in Latin. And at the end, my priest actually just said straight to the audience, you know, I'm sure you all seen the news. This was like three days after it was released. Because like if well, I want to let you know, if there's federal agents in my audience, I have no ill will to you. You are my laity. But if you're going to come and get me, I'm right here. And then you went right back to preaching where it's unfortunate. But I'd say agreeing with that, you. That's, that's a total overstep and um, yeah, really disturbing to hear. It's heartbreaking, too, because like I said, I try to tell people. I know it's hard, but to separate the online personalities and we see online and go outside and talk to regular people. You'll be surprised and amazed, like just down the street, go to your local park, you know, seeing people because most of us at the end of the day, I'm sure, atheist or religious, whatever. We just want to take care of our families and our loved ones and just be like a better future and it's prosperous for them. We don't care about like, yeah. Wow. No, definitely. And I actually want to ask you a question. You mentioned up separation of church and state. What were your opinions on Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission when that was going down? Because I'm
1: curious uh, on that. I, I love this question too because my my view is not what people would think. It's it's very centrist. Um. Uh. So, I I did a debate actually recently in uh, New York City a few months ago against a traditional Catholic. Um. And I gave. I uh, actually gave my response to this question. So, I I actually am fine with two options. I'm fine with the liberal ruling. I'm fine with the liberal view that a lot of Democrats have on it. Or I'd also be tolerant and fine, and I'd also be tolerant and fine with kind of this, this absolutism libertarian view. I'll explain. We have civil rights laws in place that have existed since the 1960s, protecting, um, dis- uh, preventing discrimination on the basis of sex, gender, uh, uh, race, a variety of characteristics. Um, uh, if you are doing that when it comes to certain groups, you have to do that technically for all groups. You have to include sexual orientation, things like homosexuality uh, in, in that as well. So it's like, OK, fine. We already have these structures in place. You just have to apply it equally. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just how civil rights law has always been. So it's like if you have an opposition to that, just oppose all these different civil rights laws and oppose the system as to how. Um, businesses are then uh, prevented from having preferences. I'm also technically fine with the radical libertarian view of um, if you want to discriminate, if you want to prevent anybody from coming into your business, um, you can do that too. Not to say that we should morally support that or ethically support that, but then that means you then, if you're a gay person and you have that baker discriminating against you, find find a different bakery, find a different shop um uh if you're being discriminated based on race or, or, gen- or, or gender or gender whatever find a different baker find a different shop not you know and then if i'm opposed to that baker's i hate to you i hate to use these terms because they've been so cartoonized they've been so it's just sorry like, if the question's a bit
0: overdone i was just kind of curious on that yeah, yeah. Like, let's
1: pretend that there's a, a racist or a sexist bakery And I, and I don't, and they have the freedom to discriminate. Let's pretend all those civil rights laws are not in place. I, as a consumer can then choose along with the community to not shop at that, at that bakery. That's what, that's what the gay community can do in that case. So that's kind of my view. It's very centrist. Um, Either let's support the Democrats in uh, adding sexual orientation to non-discrimination or uh, get rid of it all and allow freedom freedom to choose for both the business owners involved and the consumers. I don't like this kind of middle weird ground where, um, where okay, we're not going to discriminate based on race. We're not going to discriminate based on sex, but we can discriminate on, on sexual orientation. Either all or none, not this weird wishy-washy middle thing, because it just, it just creates a convoluted process where you'll have civil rights groups and, and gay rights groups get annoyed. And then it's gonna create more litigation. It's gonna
0: create more problems, more unnecessary debate. So just just have it be all or none and get it over with. That's what I was gonna actually bring up next. Recently, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Civil Rights Act is currently looking under review. And Mm -hmm. people are asking questions. All right, we're coming up to the point now. Are we going to update this or are we gonna remove this? And update is like what you said, it was people like, okay, include sexual orientation on there. But then you get to the slippery slope with, all right, but does that include people who identify as trans and stuff like that, where they mm-hmm. could just walk into a bathroom and be like, oh, I'm a woman now. And then it's like walk right through. And then right. you legally they're protected. Or like you said, you just like flat out remove it. I would prefer being flat out remove it. If a good example was recently, I think in 2018, Oregon, there was a feminist bakery shop that prided itself in charging what was known as a man tax. So if you were a biological male and walked in there, you had to pay a dollar thirty-seven more than a woman. And shocker, this business closed down within five months because you just cut off an entire consumer base where they're saying, okay, I could just go over to this bakery they won't charge me extra. Where yeah. it's just like I don't want to say let the market decide in a sense, because that does sound callous, but at the same time just, you know, I feel that way. But the I one concern to- I would have as well when it comes to uh, amending civil rights
1: legislation, although to be fair, maybe some of it should, I would be fine with sexual orientation being included, um, <laughs> is, uh, you know, wokeism is only growing more and more. It's only becoming more prevalent. It's only engulfing society more. Um, even even, I'm, I'm probably to the left of you when it comes to even some trans stuff. I wouldn't be shocked. But uh, then you get into some really weird things. I identify as Zezer. I identify as an animal. I identify as whatever I want to be at any particular moment. And if you dare question that from a logical point of view, you're a bigot and therefore I will sue you and, you know, (laughs) and use civil rights legislation as a a defense against you. And so that's, that's the question. This is where I actually agree with some of my dissident right opponents. And I don't like to agree with them a lot, but I agree with them here. One of their criticisms of politics and even the right, is where do we draw the line ideologically? Where do we draw the line in the sand? I would be fine with drawing the sand in 2015 liberalism. <laughs> I would be fine with drawing the sand there. Uh, a gay marriage uh, from a secular stance, separation of church and state from a secular stance, put religious monuments on religious property, uh, leave everybody alone, don't burden religious institutions, but keep the government secular. Um, you know, I, I like that. This kind of, this kind of Bill Maher liberalism. Uh, I'm, I, I, you know, if we drew the line in the sand, that would be great. But is, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna criticize myself here. Is that line really going to be drawn to that preference that I like? No, it's not. No, it is not. Wokeism is taking an even greater scale, and you know, that that where do we draw the line debate is only going to happen further and further more um, because of this problem. You know, it's great that that reasonable people like yourself, Thomas, want to draw a line there, but your all these other people don't want to draw it there, and they have a point. Um, does that mean that I like people on the dissident right saying, "Oh, let's go back to like, let's go back to like what what, what did Michael Knowles say? Let's go back to 1220. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I I think we should. I, I would I would say I'd love to go back to like nineteen ninety five or twenty fifteen. Uh, preferably. Uh, I think that's that's the most reasonable for everybody um, in the modern world. Uh, but uh, but yeah, hopefully that also also answers a bit of question. No, it
0: thinking. definitely does. And if you're okay, I'm going to ask you a hard question now, because I'm curious to see what your response for this would be. But we've been going on and talking about how one of your main proponents of the left are, like you said, the wokest ideology that's hijacked a lot of like atheist movements. Mm-hmm. A very common critique I'm sure you've heard from right-wing people is that with atheism what is your morality and ethics inherently tied to what is it grounded to and i want to ask this question less in regards to you like battling against a theist because i'm sure you have humanist positions but how do you approach that from someone further on the left who's like atheist who believes everything's a social construct like what do you try to approach with them to someone who is that gone where they believe like oh zezer is okay you know men can be women like, mm-hmm. do you try to do more of a scientific approach or do you try to do more of a philosoph- philosophical ethics one? What's your move for that?
1: Neither for them. I would, I would be more of a political approach with them. Um, so unfortunately, in the history of the culture wars and in the atheist community, a lot of these atheists who promoted social justice and took over the atheist community, those that have reversed course on their previous positions have only done so, most of them have only done so, Not because they were actually legitimately convinced by any one of us about it, but if they were canceled or ridiculed themselves too much. So uh, a great example is a man by the name of Dr. Richard Carrier. Richard Carrier, he's one of the big prominent uh, uh, mythicists um, that, that is within atheism. Mythicists are a sect of atheists that don't even believe that Jesus Christ existed as a human. Uh, I would argue most atheists are not even uh, mythicists. They believe that Jesus existed, but was just either a con man or just a famous person at the time that was deified and glorified later on in history. Um, uh, Richard Carrier believed that atheist activism was not enough. And so at the 2013 American Atheist Convention, he proposed this idea that some of your audience might know of called atheism plus. Atheism plus social justice. And he, along with a bunch of feminist bloggers and every, any, uh, a bunch of those different types of people, gradually took over the atheist community. And he was seen as one of the intellectual artillery um, pieces to make this transfer of power successful. Later on, a few years later, he got, I would argue, falsely accused of sexual misconduct. Um, and he uh, actually lists uh, his defense uh, fairly well on his website. Um, and... He, um, he changed a lot of his old social justice positions where at MythCon 2018, he debated Carl Benjamin Sargon of a Cod on stage. And Carl even admits later on, he unfairly attacked Richard Carrier because he didn't even realize that Richard Carrier actually changed a lot of his positions. Um, he's still very much a progressive, but he's not as, um, he's not as dogmatic. I would say, as he used to be. I actually met him for the first time in 2019 and, and actually went up to him and thanked him for his intellectual honesty uh, and how wrong he was on a bunch of different things. Um, a good, a good ex- another example is uh, my good friend, David Silverman, who uh, is a meme, former president of American Atheists. He's now the advisory board chair of Atheists for Liberty. Uh, not only a colleague of mine, but a mentor of mine, one of my two biggest mentors uh, in my professional career. Um, he got canceled uh, from his position American Atheist in 2018 uh, due to a bunch of internal issues that, that American Atheists claim were legitimate, but I don't think they were at all, uh, as well as uh, BuzzFeed came out with an article about sexual misconduct that ended up being really debunked. I would argue you could look up a lot of David Silverman's defense on YouTube, um, and, um, and any normal person uh, will see that Dave is in the right. While Dave was not as bad as more of the woke proponents in the movement... Um, he definitely agreed with some of the social justice stances. He was one of the people that was in charge of getting Johnny Depp canceled in in the atheist world. Uh, he was going to Johnny Depp was actually going to speak at that second Reason rally. Dave prevented that from happening, and only shortly after um, his own cancellation did around six, seven, eight months after uh, he started to really analyze his old, sec, uh, his old feminist positions and old social justice positions to end up realizing that he. Kind of contributed a little bit to the problem um, and that he's now going to take a stand against the problem that he caused. Um, so with most of those atheists who fell into the trap or even led the charge in, in the history of the movement, it takes usually their own cancellation or a big change in their careers um, in order for them to, uh, to, to see the light, for lack of a better term.
0: All right. Thank you. And for a lot of these people too, you said are almost going back. How is their acceptance within, I'd say more of your camp? Like, are you guys, I'm, I'm not going to say bringing them in in open arms. Are you a bit skeptical of them? Like, why are you here? You were just earlier doing this. Like, what's your approach for that? Is it kind of like, we want to have a bigger tent of more people, or are you also trying to do a different approach or a closer tent with more people taking this serious? Like, what's your view on that? So when it comes to bringing in people that kind of learn their mistakes from the old movement
1: or coming in or realizing, oh, wow, I made a big mistake. Uh, we, we do uh, bring them in with open arms. We understand, you know, we, we see this. We see wokeism very similarly to religion. You're brought up to believe in something and you believe it for a very long time and you believe that what you're doing is good and positive. For it. I can't I can't even blame some of these woke people too much. I, I, I see them very similar to how I see certain religious people. They are brought into a dogmatic line of thinking through indoctrination. They're indoctrinated to believe this. And once you kind of break that, you can only accept the fact that they're human beings. Um, and with all of us having long lives to live. And so we, we brought in plenty of formerly woke people or people that did contribute to that problem who now realize, you know what? I'm still an amazing skeptic, secularist, atheist. I want to defend Western civilization, um, bring a more rational world. Um, this atheist for liberty group is is amazing. they're They're very tolerant. And so we do want to promote a big tent. But my uh, one of my other colleagues and the current board chairman of Atheist for Liberty, uh, Michael Trollin, said a very good quote, "We want to have a big tent, but we don't want to let in the people who don't want a big tent. We don't want a big tent that huge. And so, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna let people into the organization who want to you know go against our principles. We don't we're not gonna let people into the organization who who want to tear us apart because we're not this enough or that enough. Um, so we have a bit of a balance there, but uh, we we've done a pretty good job at maintaining that balance. We, we ideologically we have classical liberals, libertarians, conservatives, independents. We have Democrats and Republicans. We have Libertarian Party members. We have. Um, Uh, we have people from various different geographic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds. Um, we, we, we're trying to really make sure that we don't make the same mistakes as the last movement has made, but simultaneously, uh, be as tolerant as possible while, uh, doing what people in politics don't do, which is drawing a real line in the sand.
0: I respect that a lot and hats off to you and what you're doing for your movement, because like you said, that's not an easy tightrope to walk. Sometimes I agree with you, you do have to be intolerant to intolerant people trying to hijack a movement because you don't want to repeat the same mistake twice. Yeah. Going on to that a question in regards to strategies, what, in your opinion, would you say is the most effective strategy for promoting within atheist communities or for atheists for liberties? Like you said, you're talking a lot on like policy or politics. Would you say, is there any avenue you'd care to venture out of in that or are you just stick into this because it's working
1: uh it's mostly working working fairly well um we we try to make our we try to change our marketing depending like on who we market to we're not going to you know like change our views on anything but like i don't know we go to uh we're not going to cpac this year this is the first cpac we're actually not attending because we just don't think that this year it's going to be roi positive um but we used to go to cpac every single year maybe we'll go next year and when we go to a conservative event a really hardline conservative republican event we will uh talk about how we are the face for atheists in the conservative movement because no other atheist organization is doing what we are doing um you know so when it comes to reaching out to people from that side of the political spectrum atheists for liberty is really the only 501c3 nonprofit game in town um uh, when we go to Freedom Fest or LibertyCon or a more libertarian event, we will be very, very much free speech oriented and kind of have a lot of that like raw dog libertarian kind of branding. Uh, when we go to any remaining local atheist groups that haven't died out yet, uh, we we talk about how we are continuing the old fight of what the new atheists were doing. Um, we we tackle a lot of different subjects from different perspectives. So. We're we're a nice hybrid. We talk about free speech issues, we see wokeism as a new religion, and we see it actually as a defense of religious dogmatism in the name of intersectionality. So we go into those avenues. We like the old church-state separation fight. Obviously, we'll critique religious dogma. As we see all these different threats, uh, all these different uh, problems as threats to our cognitive liberty. So it allows us to also have a big tent in terms of what we can focus on, what we can market to. Um, uh, so, So it's very nuanced in that way.
0: I like that a lot. And I was going to ask you just one question, but honestly, this entire podcast, you've been answering it bit by bit, but I'll go ahead and finish it off though. What are in your view, some misconceptions or stereotypes that you'd like to address at all? Because I know at the beginning you said people thought, Oh, it's the big, bad, you know, right wing ones. When you said like, we're not really that like, is there anything else we haven't mentioned during this podcast you'd like to bring up for the audience that says like, Hey, here's some more misconceptions about us. These are not true.
1: Yeah, so I'll just bring up a few of them that are just popping up into my head right now, and I bet there are even more. Like, we'll we'll stop this podcast and be like, oh, I should have said that. Um, We're not strictly a right-wing group. We're not strictly a left-wing group. Um, So, you know, for anybody who thinks, any conservatives who view this, that go like, oh, these guys are just a bunch of liberal infiltrators or something like that. No, we are not. Uh, We have people that are literally in the GOP infrastructure that are a part of our organization. Uh, We have people that are fans of Donald Trump, we have people who are fans of Nikki Haley, we have Libertarian Party people, we have Democrats, we have people that are involved in the Democratic Party. Uh, so you know, it's not, we're not, uh, and, and you know, for anybody on the left, we're not a bunch of, uh, you know, right-wing, or right-wing racists that are coming in trying to, you know, do the same thing. Um, so that's, that's, one thing, um, that's one thing I'll mention. Uh, something else I think we already clarified, um, we are very much in favor of religious freedom in this organization. You know, so obviously we care about American secularism, but people think that it's just some like team blue liberal term that just means we only want freedom from religion, not freedom of religion as well. Uh, And uh, the reason why I like us being in a nation that is free from religious theocracy is so we can all practice whatever we want to practice in peace. I like this kind of small l libertarian view that I know you emphasized a lot about just like being left alone. And being able to raise a family, or go to church, or go to mosque, or go to synagogue, or go wherever you want without the government telling you what to do, without maybe without some federal informants, you know, infiltrating your uh, your religious institution, Um, you know. So yeah, we are we are these passionate atheists. We do we do make jokes about faith and stuff like that. You know, check out our Instagram. We we are a jack of all trades, but we're honest about it. We're not going to lie we're not going to we're not going to change our ideals maybe we'll mold our branding depending on what audience we're talking to but but if you ask me a certain question i'm going to give you the honest answer um uh and then let me think uh there there's a great faq section as well that's on atheistsforbody.org that people people can find out already um we don't endorse candidates we don't endorse uh, political parties um uh you know uh and um oh and we're also not grifters we're also not grifters, too. And what I was trying to explain earlier in the show is like where we get accepted by changes. So it's almost like we get grifted around in a way. Uh, but we we there is no um, uh, there is no deeper ideological agenda behind us besides simply promoting our ideals, uh, normalizing atheism, safeguarding secularism, um, preserving free thinking and advancing individual liberty. That's what we're all about. Um, And we'll gain allies, we'll lose allies, we'll be accepted at a conference one year and maybe not get accepted at a conference another year. Um, We are the based, honest atheists who are going to say what we need to say and we're going to do what we need to do to protect civilization um, and also uh,
0: promote a rational world all right sounds good and would you be okay if i asked you a few questions on islam in particular to the west and your opinions on yay them? yes <laughs> so yes i wanted to ask this earlier in the podcast but we kind of got caught up but i was gonna get your thoughts on france for example how it's arguably in europe one of the most secular atheistic societies because they removed christianity i'd argue pretty wholeheartedly but now instead of living in the quote-unquote you know atheist utopia they thought they were going to be in they're now facing a large wave of algerian immigrants and people who are spreading islam very rapidly and as i'm sure you've seen the videos i've seen the videos the french natives don't really appreciate that because they're like this is a foreign religion in our lands but the government's doing nothing as it's taking over the lands basically and that was going to be a question i wanted to ask you How would that be prevented if, let's say, you said earlier that you believe atheism is going to be the religion in America? What's stopping us from being a France 2.0 where we kick Christianity out and um, Islam just takes its place?
1: I think it's due to government uh, differences in how the government functions and how the culture functions. I don't think atheism actually has a factor much in this at all. Um, So the problem with France and the problem with Europe and Canada as a whole, pretty much every civilized nation that is not the United States they don't have something called the First Amendment. They don't have something called the Constitution. I know it sounds like a boomer answer, but uh, and I, I know, like, I'm Gen Z too. So I, I know, like, people don't want, like, the Ronald Reagan soundbite. of, so, well, we have our precious freedoms. And because we have our freedoms, it be A OK. However, I know some people think that the Constitution is not based and that this is dumb and gay and blah, blah, blah. The Constitution is actually pretty awesome. It allows us to operate more freely in comparison to France. Let's talk about France for a second. France has had a change of how many different governments and and changes from empire to republic, to this republic, to that republic, to Vichy France, and then back to the different republic. So many constant times. Not just because, and the United States, meanwhile, has survived the test of time, where, where empires have come and gone. Yes, we're separated by an ocean, which has helped, but it's also because our ideals have stood the test of time. France, I love plenty of the ideals of France and Britain and Germany. They are civilized nations that care about democracy and care about, uh, you know, uh, Western values on the most part. Um, but they caved, not due to atheism, um, not due to atheism at all, but due to the fact they didn't have the constitutional safeguards that we did. Um, uh, and I would argue wokeism is also a fact, too. You don't want to hurt those poor minority Muslims, do you? You don't want
0: to be a racist, do you?
1: Oh, no, we got to let them Are all you in. You a
0: picture of, like, you know, a uh, minority child. and They're like, look at this picture of his crying child. Look at this crying Syrian refugee. Do you
1: really want to deny that person? So long? you bigot, how dare you? <laughs> and look, I do. I think that, like, we can be humanitarian as a civilization. Sure. Uh, does that mean we have to let all of Syria into Europe? No. You can you can you can let some people in who actually like are, are fleeing persecution and death by their government. You can. That's not like most of the population of Syria. It's really That's not, not hard too, because,
0: like my family. Came here. My family came here from Cuba in the 1970s and we learned really quick. OK, we're not going to bring, you know, Cuba over here to America. This is America. We will right. hold our values what we have dear. Sure, we're a bit different, but at the end of the day, our core yeah, yeah. foundational roots are American values. That's what we believe in. These exactly. are things, and it's coming from someone from a family of immigrants seeing like people come over. For example, I was in the space the other day. There was a Islamic individual. It's a woman, and she was chanting "Death to America." I hope this country collapses. Mind you, she immigrated here ten years ago from one of those countries and I'm just scratching my head, not trying to be rude, but like, yeah, she probably, she probably you probably would hate America so much. Why'd you come over here? Why not go back? Exactly. <laughs> America is
1: such a hateful, bad place. Leave then leave our quote unquote, bigoted, evil, racist, sexist, Islamophobic country. Um, uh, you know, we are one of the most tolerant, small L liberal, actually societies out there for better or for worse. Uh, and, um, you know, these people should be smart enough to understand that but of course not because they're just going to believe whatever the machine tells them mm-hmm. on a lot of these things uh so it's whatever so no I, I think france caved because they didn't have constitutional protections i think they caved due to political correctness um uh i think we're going to have some of the same problems in the united states but it's not going to be due to atheism it's not going to be due to not believing in a, in a god um you know like, like like also speaking about that like you have the plenty of woke uh activists use god to justify their beliefs go to a blm rally you really think that that a good chunk of these people are going to be atheists no a lot of them are going to be like like christian baptists who are going to have the blm trans flag in front of their church that's uh, there are definitely atheists in the woke movement am i gonna you know i'm not going to say i'm not going to say not um but this idea that it's like purely atheistic and that richard dawkins and christopher hitchens created this problem or sam harris created this problem it's like no they didn't now As a weak yeah. argument for people that just want to like get
0: others to go back to church and preach about it on Twitter. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, and, yeah. no, That's what I love about that because like I was going to bring that up, but I think recently, if you look at, I believe harvest, if I'd recommend following him. He's on YouTube. He does analytics and data of religious groups, so harvest.org, but he did an interesting cover where he saw there's a weird phenomenon going to the United States where, Although, like you said earlier, a lot of people are becoming like, you know, neutral, like non-believer believe what's the statistic 28% roughly a yeah. lot of, pe- a lot of people who are prominent or are going to like these mega churches that have like, you know, the trans flags, the BLM flags, they're leaving too, but they're going to both Catholics and Orthodox services in the United States. And I wasn't really trying to infer my apologies that, you know, France fell because of atheism. It was more of people naturally crave some sort of hierarchy or some sort of authority. So they're like, Oh, Protestantism is letting all these new things walk into air and replace our religion. Like, unfortunately I visited a friend who went to one of the non-denominational mega churches. The first thing they told up there was Christians need to be more tolerant in our beliefs with others. And I thought Christianity isn't, a belief of tolerance though i'm sorry and i'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings but we believe what we believe we're not changing this belief so right. that, that, this is why i like
1: yeah this is why i almost like atheism to a degree because it's like because it's like you have some of these people who are like totally secular too mm-hmm. who are like uh some of my i have friends who are like gay christians and like gay milk toast barely believing christians and like moderate, barely believing Muslims like liberal Muslims and they get so upset when uh, uh I went to a, a a log cabin Republicans events re- recently I'm not gonna out this individual, but like there was this guy who uh got very upset that like his job is at risk at a Catholic school um uh for having his his uh, maybe i I forgot exactly what it was but like for some gay rights views or something like that and it's like what did what did you expect yeah what did what did you expect you chose to get a job at an institution that has held these biblical views on homosexuality for such a long time this is why i like separation of church and state you can leave exactly can go somewhere go to a secular institution that doesn't have that problem um it's
0: like if i know. tried to apply for i don't know any like the secular humanist organization and i start you know Wearing a cross, looking stereotypically right. extra Catholic, and start preaching about Jesus, and they fire me the first day, and I'm like, "Wow, so much for the tolerant left, tolerant. It's like tolerant. It's a, even atheists." Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, it's so much for the tolerant humanist. I'm like, yeah, it's just so exactly. ridiculous. It's silly. It's like, what do you expect? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's like technically, by the way, there are certain laws that prevent discrimination, like atheist organizations. Actually, if there's a qualified person who's like a Catholic who applies to work at an atheist group, they technically have to okay, really? like. If they, yeah, like you have to, like you can't discriminate. So, like, if you're qualified for the job and you, but you get turned down, you have to get turned down for a certain reason.
0: Uh, you know, you can't be like, Wouldn't oh, because, be you're
1: because you're under unprofessional
0: confused. work conduct or something. So, like, if I showed up, I'm not being professional in my work. And I'm just like here preaching about Jesus. Yeah, so, like, you'd have to get, you'd have to get
1: like, the, the, like something else that would, that would yeah. uh, be
0: used as an excuse to get you out.
1: Um, so, uh, where was I going with this? But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I I kind of find it to be interesting how Christianity, in many ways, is also experiencing a woke infiltration. James Lindsay talks about it a lot. Yeah. Um, he's on our advisory board too. I don't. Uh, I agree with him on. I would say maybe eighty five percent of what he talks about. Um, and uh, one of the things I know he's very prevalent in talking about is the 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 infiltration of Christianity by wokeism. He this is like one of his big big topics. He is actually friends friends with a lot of pastors and priests and religious officials because he talks about this issue, uh, quite uh, quite a lot. Um, so it's an interesting phenomenon. Just like I was saying earlier about splits within Catholicism, yeah. splits within Christianity. Um, it's
0: it's it's not only atheism.
1: Uh, this is happening. It's everyone. Happening. It's everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Sorry, I'm um, not to put the mic on me, but I'd say another thing that you brought that up irritates me is definitely when it comes to the Pope, because a lot of people, the Pope doesn't speak English as his first language, so. You'd have media organizations. I see this so many times. They'll take a quote he said, they'll butcher that quote, and you'll have a left-wing organization like cheering, being like, Oh, the Pope just approved of gay marriage. I'm like, Yeah, he he's did with not us. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like you'll have the right being like, The Pope did this, it's so over. You know, I'm like, Well, he didn't say that also. Like, read the actual Vatican statement, what he said instead of, you know, doing this. It's just silly. Like <laughs> but in 2013, yeah. I noticed I think he what he,
1: he became Pope in 2013. I remember 2013, 14, 15. You had, like, even, and, and I like Bill Maher still, even though I'm, I'm different than him when it comes to some of his politics. But, like, you you can look up, like, Bill Maher's, uh, you know, statements on the show when Pope Francis started to, you know, take power. Like, Pope Francis is our guy. He's the cool pope. He's a liberal pope. Why the liberal pope? You're a new atheist. You, you think this stuff is, like, outdated and, and you know, a medieval. Why do you care if he's cool or not? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, why do you care if he supports gay marriage or not? Why do you care if he supports women becoming priests or not? Uh, the Catholic church has remained solid as an institution with certain traditions for thousands of years. If you're an atheist and you don't even believe in God, why do you care so much about the Catholic church evolving or not evolving on certain things? Um, you know, I, yeah, I, like I,
0: said I, earlier in a podcast, like I'll hear Catholics coming to me, telling me like, Oh do you see the absolute state of like atheism? Like, yeah, I'll pray for them, but that's why do I like, that's not my main concern. Like, I'm not trying to sound blunt when I say this, but I concerned about, you know, interior politics within the church right now. And I'm not trying to sound rude and be like, Oh, I'm watching you guys at every second. But it's like, I'm kind of occupied my own thing. Like, I'm sure, like you said earlier, you're occupied of your own thing too, your own battles. It's nothing against you to be rude. It's just, it's really weird and frustrating where it's like, why should we care about them doing that? Like, let them do their thing. But, yeah, you can just, just tell them go talk to Thomas Sheet if you want to find out about the atheism <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, um a quick question I wanted to ask in regards to the Atheists for Liberty, can you discuss any specific monumental m- moments for you guys, like any large breakthroughs or movements you've done since having this organization? Yeah, just to name just to name a few, so
1: I, you talked about COVID, you talked about vaccines and you know when you were mentioning Fauci for a second um, this is one I think that your audience would like so much. This is a past thing that we did called the Vaccine Mandate Equality Project. So we're a big separation between church and state proponents. And while I am a, on a personal level, I'm a fan of vaccines and, and, and science, even though science changes, even though I think COVID was totally polluted, um, 100%, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of freedom of choice. Uh, and actually atheist really doesn't even have a stance on vaccine mandates either. Cause it's just like, we can't, we can't focus on every single issue as an organization. Um, what we care about is upholding secular law. And, uh, there are certain States in our country that not only have religious exemptions to vaccines, but philosophical exemptions to vaccines as well. And one of those States is Minnesota, Minnesota. Um, there was a, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Patrick Wilmers who worked for Verizon Wireless at the time. He might still work for them. I don't know. He's a member of ours. Uh, He was nearly fired uh, for not having the the COVID vaccine, even though he had the antibodies in his system. We didn't take a stance on the mandate itself, uh, the vaccine mandate itself, but we did take a stance on this. He tried to claim a philosophical exemption, which is in his right, as per Minnesota law. Verizon, I think, didn't care, or, or rather they didn't know about it, Um, so, uh, we, uh, sent a letter, uh, uh, to Verizon wireless and, uh, through our work and through our advocacy and helping Patrick, um, he, his job was secure. Um, he was able to, to remain employed. I don't know what his employment status is now, but, uh, we, uh, we've considered that project to be a success as a result of that. And this is something that other atheist groups didn't do because they are social justice groups. They are politicized. We are not. Um, we will engage in separation of church and state issues that other atheist groups won't do, even if it doesn't look politically convenient uh, for them. Um, so that's that's one big achievement that I know your audience would like as well. We've also been the atheists who will proudly um, engage to in, in certain uh, sectors of American politics that our atheist organizations won't go to. So, like I said, we have sponsored CPAC for many years. We're, we're happening to skip this year because CPAC is also rapidly changing. But like. We've gone to CPAC. We've gone to some turning point stuff. We've gone to Freedom Fest every year, LibertyCon. You know, you don't see other atheist organizations doing that now because they they are totally politicized as well. They don't want to actually support this idea of normalizing atheism and secularism in all of American politics only for their side, only for their niche. So we are proudly the atheists who will be truly uh, nonpartisan, truly bipartisan. Um and then uh I, I don't know, there's plenty of others that I can cite. One cool thing that we did, and I need to do some research, but I don't think that any presidential candidate has accomplished this this uh in the past. Uh a few weeks ago, we might have just made American history. Uh we had a US presidential candidate come into our Discord server and be asked questions at an atheist event by atheists. This was a big, big undertaking. I have not seen any other do that. Um, We are the first to do so, and we want to, of course, continue to do that in the future with with candidates. By the way, of all different parties, we don't have a preference towards the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, whatever. Um, We will we will ask anybody, Um, and we are in the process as well of reaching out to more uh, presidential candidates um, as well, and we want to have more of those too. Um, So we are truly doing the work even if we don't have as many as much resources as other atheist groups in really fulfilling uh our our values and showing that we're an organization that is grassroots oriented and and truly in the fight even in things that are not convenient for
0: us so those are just a few of our achievements with more achievements to come congratulations on that by the way that's actually a really impressive accomplishment would you say you guys have any set goals right now, like short-term goals and then long-term goals that you're striving for? They're trying to yeah. knock out? So
1: there's a bunch of different programs that we're working on now. Um, firstly, uh, we have a nationwide college tour uh, that is taking place this semester, this uh, the spring semester of 2024, but it will be going on for the next uh, the next year or two. Um, we have a national campus team that is that is on that. We're trying to go to various different campuses across the country. Um, to, to kind of be reactionary and counterculture in nature. Um, you know, most of the campus tours from a lot of these groups are filled with the same old speakers that say the same old talking points. And we want to add some variety in the mix from debates to panels to lectures and really fun interactive discussions, maybe some street epistemology even uh, here and there. Um, we are trying to really genuinely bring um, genuine real discussions about actual civilizational issues to American campuses. And so we're gonna eventually announce even more information on our social media. There's some very basic information that is already on our website about that, but we're doing that. We have a state director program where we have state directors in plenty of states. At the moment, we wanna get state directors in all 50 states within the next 10 months uh, to, uh, to really rebuild the local atheist community, to give atheists a sense of purpose and belonging and a space where they can go to and feel accepted. We have online programs on our Discord every week Uh, We are going back to doing our YouTube live streams also very soon with Famous Atheists in the Culture War. And even in our Discord events, we do hangouts with also a lot of famous atheists and people in philosophy, politics, culture, religion. Um, So for any atheists, agnostics, secularists that are watching this, I highly suggest you become a member and become part of our community um, and become a part of our movement uh, to, to really partake in a lot of this stuff. And there's a lot of cool benefits listed on our website as well.
0: All right, and a few more questions, and then you're good to go. But what advice would you give to atheists who are interested in advocating for liberty in your communities? And especially, I believe you already answered the question earlier, but what are some resources you could give them to join your organization or help you in the fight for Atheists for Liberty? So to answer both questions is to join Atheists for Liberty. First off, to follow us on all social media platforms,
1: but then to go to atheistsforliberty.org. And to click that become a member button, uh, we have a lot of various different perks. If you upgrade your membership or have it get a higher tier membership, but um, let's say you can't can't afford one, or there's a you know you're in a financial situation, basic membership is twelve dollars a year. billed every year at twelve dollars. Uh, it's 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 five hundred one c three tax deductible. You get to be a part of our community. Um, we're doing stuff not only online but in person. For instance, for our New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut members, and also outside supporters. You don't have to be a member to go. Uh, we're having a, a meet-up and reception this Saturday uh, at the Metropolitan Republican Club in Manhattan. So I don't know if this podcast is going to be released beforehand. Uh, if not, uh, we're... we're, we're we're already having a lot of people on the RSVP list, and I'm going to assume if you're listening to this after that it was a very successful event. We had one last year and it was very successful. Um, but we're doing those around the country. We got the college tour that is growing. We're trying to expand the number of atheist meetup groups that are around the country, filled with normal, non-woke, non-crazy blue hair, non-day them BLM type, you know, like like non-woke, normal atheists from across the political spectrum. Um, because one criticism that we get is that, well, if you're an atheist, you know, one of the benefits of church is that it gives people a sense of purpose and belonging. I think that's just a symptom of humans being social, the social animals that we are. That's why, what's well, one of the reasons why churches, I think, have also been so successful, mosques, synagogues, things like that. Humans need community and belonging. We're trying to do that as well. And for many years, atheist groups were very successful in that, but with social justice came the downfall of a lot of these groups and the momentum that was in a lot of these groups i used to lead a local group when i was younger um uh so we're trying to do that there's so many different things online offline volunteer opportunities to get people involved in the fight step one is becoming a member and step two is to contact us you can email info at org. there's even a volunteer form that's on our website too all is available on the site for you to check out
0: all right thank you very much and my final question for you, would there be anything else that we didn't touch on today that you'd like to address or bring up for the audience? Think of any. Um, the only thing I'll say is I know
1: we met on X spaces. We're going to be doing a lot more of those at atheists for Liberty, and I'm going to be hosting a lot more myself. I'll definitely pop in more on, uh, on, on your, uh, your spaces, Sola. And, um, and people can follow me uh, on social media, most social media platforms at she Tom. So that's at, S h e e d y t h o m and I I'm very active on X. Um, you guys will see me pop into a lot of different spaces from people across the political spectrum um, and the religious spectrum too. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh,
0: to being more involved in the conversation in the years ahead. Thank you so much, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Thomas Sheedy joining us with Recrim Radio. It has been an absolute pleasure to have him on. It's one of our most enjoyable episodes and really funny guests too. I, like, I appreciate the bluntness in a lot of things, and I love honesty because that's always the best policy. You have seen this all here at Room Radio. Have a nice one. Thanks for having me. All right, I'm going to cut the recording now. Good job, man. That was a really good interview.